Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to Romans chapter 8, the 14th chapter. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I, sometimes people say you go to the scriptures too quick. It's, it's a habit. Next door uh, in the youth, uh, we put everything up on the board because we are pressed for time every week, super pressed for time. And so I'm used to just saying it and there it is. And I forget that it's not behind me. So uh, I don't know if Earl, if you've got the slide, I made a slide for tonight, but uh, we're going to talk about direction tonight. And uh, Romans chapter 8, the 14th verse says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Of course, that, that includes sons and daughters of God. These are the children of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so uh, a couple things in the beginning covered because we don't have a lot of time to go into all of this. But, you know, being led by God is something that we can expect. Jesus said, My sheep know my voice, Right? And the voice of another they will not follow. We need to get this settled in our own lives once and for all. I've been doing this for a long time, growing up in, in, in a minister's home. All, well, 40 of the 45 years I've existed, and I've heard this stuff too many times, that it's hard to know the will of God. It is absolutely not difficult to know the will of God. It is absolutely not difficult to hear from God. It is 100% the easiest thing for us to do, one of the easiest things to do. There's many easy things as sons and daughters of God. It is so easy for us to know the voice of God, the direction of the Lord, to always know in every circumstance, in every situation, to always know what to do. Amen? And we've got the, the right to expect God to lead us because he says here that the sons and daughters of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. So we've got every right to expect that. And it's easy to expect. I tell you, you just, many, there's just some things in life you just have to settle. This is easy, and it goes beyond your experience or what has been in the past that's approaching things by faith. This is who God said I am. I'm made for this. I can hear, right? And so we don't have a lot of time to go into a lot of the details. But I want to talk about some ways that, that God leads us. Go over to Psalms 119. And uh, I'm going to try to get through all of this. And, and I'm not just going to throw a ton of stuff at you. But um, most of these things you're, you're already aware of and already know these verses really well. Uh, and I, I always like to start off with this first one because this is the foundation of everything we do in life. This is our safety net. We say the safety net. What's the safety net? It's when it's the thing that you put your trust in. This is what you fall back into, back to on under every circumstance. Psalms one nineteen one hundred five says, "Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path." Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The number one way God leads us is through his word. And that is not something that we don't know. As a church, we know these things, but oftentimes just because we know something doesn't mean we're actually utilizing it. Let me tell you something. This written word of God is the greatest gift beside the blood of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit that we have is the written word of God. It's never changing. It's never being altered. And if anybody comes to you and says they've got a new book of the Bible, you need to run from that person, right? Have nothing to do with that person. Don't, I mean, don't get their opinion on anything, right? God's word is, is a light to our path. It is, it is what directs us in every area of life. Go to me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Like I said, some things that you know, but it's amazing whenever things, situations arrive, arise, questions arise, People will oftentimes run to other things 
your first decision ought to be to run to what God's word says. Sunday, I talked about living by faith. That is living by faith and the bare bones, bare beginning is run to the word of God. What has God said? That's the beginning. Second Timothy chapter three. I'll wait, I'll try to wait so I don't hear any, any more pages turning. It says all scripture, this is the 16th verse, Second Timothy, Timothy three sixteen. all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Everybody say profitable. Every scripture is profitable. There's not one thing in here, not one word, not one part that's written that won't benefit you if you approach it in faith. If you approach this as just some other book that you can rent at the library or check, I don't think you rent them, check them out at the library, it's not going to do a whole lot for you. It is the inspired word of God. It is inspired by him. I tell you, I've known people, ministers even, that have gotten into this debate mentally, and really it's, it's a lie, it's a trap from the enemy. Well, is all scripture. Can we trust all of it? They get into this debate about whether or not it's trustworthy. If you start doubting one part, let me tell you something. If one part is wrong, you can't trust any of it. Well, men wrote it, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote these things, wrote these scriptures. And we won't get into it. A pastor's talked about at length how the word of God works and, and confirms itself back and forth. I mean, it is so masterfully written over generations and generations. People that didn't even know each other, had no contact. It, it fits so perfe- perfectly. It is only God could have done this and have it worked together, right? The divinely inspired word of God. You need to get that settled in your life that this is it. This is it. And anything contrary to this, if grandma said it, granddad said it, right? Great, oh, don't go in the greats. Even if the great granddad, listen, people make mistakes. Even if you have said it, thought it, or maybe you think, well, I, this is, that's not been my experience. Your experience, my experience is not greater than the word of God. Not all of our experiences are divinely inspired by God. I know not all might have been indirectly inspired by God, Right? This is the divinely inspired by word of God. It says it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. We need correction. I didn't get any amens on that. Just a few. We need correction, right? When we're getting corrected by the Lord, that shows he loves us. When he gets quiet, we need to start checking up on ourselves, right? Well, I know everything. Well, you, you, you probably need to check up on that too, right? It is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, how to live right, live before the Lord, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It all starts and ends with God's word. Every leading, every word, every inclination, every thought. You know, the Bible says that every thought, if we cast it down, if it doesn't line up with God's word, right? Every thought and imagination that presents itself against the knowledge of God we cast those things down. So we've got to get settled that God's word is number one. Do you know that most questions in life, most things that we struggle with, most areas that the enemy wants to cause us to struggle, really comes down to submission to God's word or doing something else. Oftentimes it's our flesh that really wants to do something else. Uh, we, we need to make sure that we're open to the word of God. So we know that he, he's given us his word. That's the number one way that he leads us. Um, 
Go over to Romans chapter 8, the 16th verse. I think we were in Romans 8, 14 earlier, but you can read it. Uh, go over to Romans 8, 16. And we're going to get to the main uh, focus here in just, in just a minute. These are some basics because you can spend more time on all of this, and, uh, but we, we don't obviously have that time this time tonight. Romans eight sixteen. it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Passion Translation of that says, For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. I love that translation, the way that that's worded, that, that scripture, that uh, the spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Well, so we know the number one way that God leads us is through his word. That it starts there and it ends there. That's the beginning. That's the foundation but the next way is the, by the inward witness. It's a still small voice. It is a whisper as it wrote, that's written here. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a knowing on the inside of you. And I know a lot of times I've been there when, when situations arise, maybe you'd like to have something else. But besides God's word, how many know that not everything is covered in God's word? Principles of life are covered in God's word. Whether a person should be a giver or not, you don't need to pray about it. It's in God's word, right? Whether God wants you to be healed or not, you don't need to be pray about it. It's in God's word, right? What you need to value in life, far as in in in, in an overall sense, you don't need to pray about it. You, it's in God's word. But there are specifics, other things that we don't have. There's not a a, a Doug three sixteen that tells Doug what he needs to do with his business, right? He needs to honor God in his business. That, that's in the scripture. He needs to do things the right way. He needs not be a, a bad businessman or an unjust businessman. Those are principles and things in God's word. But as far as what contract to buy, sell or take or who to go into business with, you don't have that. Well, what do we do? Thank God for the Holy Ghost, the inward witness, bearing witness with us from the basis part that we're born again. But that simple leading will guide us in every area of life. You know, I said before when, when, when Amy and I, uh, we were dating and, and getting married is a big deal. In case you don't know that, I mean, getting married is a big deal, right? Next to, I mean, it's the most important decision in life you're going to make if you marry the right person. And uh, when Amy and I were dating and, and um, um, you know, uh, when we were seeking God. Now, there's, there's something to living a life where you're always open to what he would say and you make it a habit of responding and it starts by responding to God's word. Can I tell you this? What, I, I know it all starts, it's hard to get off God's word. It's so good because if you make a habit of ignoring certain places in scripture that you don't like, because for whatever reason, because it's not what you've always been taught or, or, or the way you'd like it to be, or it puts a demand on your flesh that you'd rather, come on now, we all know what I'm talking about, right? You'd rather do something else and so you don't like that right? When you get into a habit or make it a habit of ignoring God's word, all other direction becomes unclear. All other areas that the Lord wants to direct you becomes harder to hear, right? But when you, and I'm not saying that, that Amy and I did, were perfect and everything, but it was our heart's desire to what we knew to walk in the light that we had, because we know if you walk in the light you have, you're going to have more light, right? And part of that is the voice of the spirit of God, which we're made to hear, that is easy for us to hear those gentle leadings of the inward witness become very clear. Well, when Amy and I were dating, um, it was very, very quickly on that I knew that we were going to get married. I, and, 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 well, did the Lord appear to you? No. Did you see handwriting at the, on the wall? Thou shalt marry Amy Schrader. 
Amy Charlene. Don't tell her I said her middle name. Amy Charlene Schrader. She got rid of it. It's now just Amy Schrader Anderson. But anyway, thou shalt, did that happen? No. Did a, did a, did a famous apostle, prophet, did Brother Hagin come to me, minister along and twiddling his, you know, circling his thumbs as he's walking up down the aisle, stop and say, Greg Anderson, thou shalt marry Amy. No, none of that. I had a knowing on the inside. It just a bare, bore witness. I knew in my heart this was right. Now, you, you may need to spend more time praying about it. In fact, you, you probably should. But if your life is living one that you're always open to what he's got to say and you're endeavoring to follow, many things in life you're going to know. When it came time for us to go to Ramah, we, we didn't go through this long period of seeking God where we just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and sought God. Should we go? Should we not go? Lord, what do we do? We both, just both of us, because we're married, we're, we're, we're in this together. We're one flesh, right? God speaks to me. I expect God to speak to her. Come on, husbands, wives. We are partners together, right? And we ought to, we ought to be hearing from God together. And so we both just one day, just, uh, you know, I don't remember what, I can't say what day it was or what it, when it happened. We, the subject came up and we we're like, huh. Yeah, we are. Yeah, this is the time we're supposed to go to Ramah. We were married for two years, and then we just knew now's the time to go. Can I say, in most decisions in life, big decisions and small decisions, outside of this, beyond this, the inward witness has been the number one way God has led me, and it's the number one way He leads us. You've not ignoring this makes it easy to not ignore this, right? When you ignore his word, it's very hard to clarify what this is because you're yielding to something other than you. You're yielding to something other than the spirit of God, right? So the number one way he leads us is through the inward witness. Acts 27, I won't have you turn to it. I'll just read it to you just for time's sake. This is Paul uh, when he was on the ship and there he was being taken to, to Rome. So when much time had spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. What does perceiving means? He just had a sense. Something's not right. You ever been there before? Something's just not right. It's kind of like on 9-11. We know people on 9-11 that worked in the Twin Towers that day, got up for work, and something just didn't seem right. You know, you, you, you've got to be paying attention to decide not to go into work or go into work later over perception. You got to know how to, how to hear these things. They got up and something just didn't seem right. Didn't know why they didn't know a terrorist attack was going to happen. You say, well, how come, how come they didn't, the Lord didn't have them pray. I don't know. We'll ask him when we get there. Well, you know, some things that really doesn't, it, it's none of my business and the Lord doesn't tell me to ask. I'm not going. I've had people say, have you ever asked why? No. If it didn't stir my heart that I need to know, I don't ask, you know, because who knows why, who knows why? Honestly, it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter why. But these folks, they got up that morning and had a sense, I shouldn't go in or I need to go into work late. Just don't go to work right now. And they didn't, and their lives were saved. Thank God for the inward witness of that perception. You can learn to hear it just as clearly. Right? Brother Hagen told the story during the Depressions that a guy started with 10 cents, someone that he knew started with 10 cents. Now, in the Depression days, I'm assuming 10 cents was a whole lot more than 10 cents is today, right? Uh, but Depression days, 10 cents was still not a lot. He took that and trading on the stock market 
in the midst of the depression, by the time it was over, the depression was over, he was a multimillionaire, starting with 10 cents, simply following the inward witness. Because there's not a stock market book in the Bible, but you do have the greater one on the inside. And if you'll learn to follow him, he will lead, guide, and direct you. Amen? And so the next one would be, go to Romans, um, uh, Romans the ninth, ninth, you're in the eighth, go over to Romans chapter nine. This is also Paul speaking here. And let me just say, it's so important we become spirit conscious. That goes back to obeying God's word, becoming, the more spirit conscious you are, the more aware of your own spirit, Something Brother Hagin used to say, and, and you know, and, and these truths are things we need to hold on to. I, he would say, I am a spirit. I live in a body, right? I possess a mind or a soul, mind, will, and emotions. I am a spirit being. I live in a body, and I, I have a, a soul, mind, will, and emotions. You are a three-part being. God is a three-part being. We're a three-part being. People say, well, how can you understand Father, Son, Holy Ghost? No different than I understand spirit, soul, and body. Spirit. My body and my emotions, they're different. They operate in different areas, but they're, they're very real. But you are a spirit being first and foremost. Remember, God's word divides even between the spirit and soul. Keep going. It all goes back to this. You've got to be spirit conscious. I tell you, life is not difficult if you'll just do what God's word says. You're dismissed. We can stop right there, seriously. I mean, that, that really, you really could stop right there. But oftentimes people don't want to do it because it goes against their, what they're wanting to do. Anyway, got to be spirit conscious. Mark, uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, it says, I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. The third way he leads us is by the inward voice. The voice of your conscience. All of us know what that is. We've gone to do something and on the inside... Hey, don't do that. You ever notice that's what that's, who that sounds like? It sounds like you. Imagine that. Your spirit sounds a lot like you. Your spirit talks your language. Your spirit doesn't talk, talk in thus and therefores. It talks in the same thing that you talk. The way you, the way you process, your spirit talks to you that way. And he said here, he said, I, or he said, my conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Spirit. Some people call it the still small voice. Once again, it's your spirit picking up on what God is saying and then relaying it to you. You're not hearing God. You're hearing your spirit who's in fellowship with him, right, telling you what to do. It is a trustworthy, a trustworthy guide as long as your foundation is God's word. So the third way he leads us is the inward voice, that still small voice. I don't know we're moving with these. We can spend a lot of time on each of them. We won't. Uh, number four would be the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're in Romans chapter 9. Go over to Acts chapter 10. Give your, your fingers a workout tonight. But this is important. We're going to talk about something you just met that's important stuff. Uh, it's all important. But Acts chapter 10, the 19th verse. And we'll talk about this particular instance in a minute. These are a couple ways uh, in this particular account, uh, how God speaks to us, but this is on the tail end of, of this. In Acts ten nineteen, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. I, I, oftentimes, you know, the, 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 the authority or the voice of the Holy Spirit is not something that you hear often. It's just not, it's not as common. God's word is number one. The inward witness would be number two. The still small voice, the voice of your spirit, 
Your spirit in fellowship with the Spirit of God will talk to you. But then you've got where the Holy Spirit himself will talk to you. And I've had it happen to me on different occasions. But I found this, that when the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit speaks directly to us, it's because we need to hear something emphatically. This, for, for Peter, this was a major shift in how he thought this went against how, how Jews did. They looked at life, how they looked at other people. This was a major turning point for the body of Christ. The church was young. Things were just getting started. And this was really the, the deviation from what they, how they thought it was going to go. This was a key moment in time. Now, it's interesting that Peter later didn't really follow this like he should have. I mean, he, 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 he began to reach out to the Gentiles. He left in this particular instance. He did what the, what the Spirit of the Lord had told him. But he later then started, because of pressure of the Jewish believers, started catering to the Jewish believers again. And Paul had to get all over his case. Hey, we're not doing this. You're not going to try to put, force people back under the law to become you know, Jews first. It's not the way this works. Well, this was a shift because there was major pressure to do things a certain way. And so in this, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. He wanted him to go with them. Well, uh, I've had this happen a few times that were, uh, you know, well, it's been, been, been several times, and they all had moments of significance in my life that I needed to hear. I, I use the example often when I was 16. Uh, I was driving with somebody, and we were in Gainesville. And, and uh, now some of you might remember if you've been around a little while. Uh, I had a few fender benders when I was 16, 17, and 18 Maybe five or six. I don't know. Um, it was a few. It was a few. This was the first one. I hadn't been driving very long. And um, I was with a particular young lady. And, and we were going to go out on a date. And I was more interested in what she was saying than what the road was saying. And when the stop sign or the, the lights say red, that's trying to tell you something. Well, I wasn't paying attention to that. And uh, I, I, was, uh, I was about to have a, a major car accident. And um, we're going along now. Thank God for praying parents because my dad had a witness to pray for me. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I'm here because of him, because the Spirit of God will help us pray. And so he had been dealing with my dad. I need to pray for Greg. Something's going on. Well, you might say, why did he pray this wouldn't happen? We can ask him when we get there, probably because there's probably a lot of reasons why. I trust God's wisdom more than I do my own opinion, right? So he was praying, and, and, right, and, and I wear my seatbelt now. And I don't speed. I haven't sped in the rumors. I speed all the time. I don't. But um, I do wear my seatbelt. Back then, I didn't. My parents didn't wear their seatbelt either. We just were not. We weren't a seatbelt family. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so, is that a thing? I don't know. But anyway, we just weren't seatbelt people. But anyway, I'm driving along, and she didn't have her seatbelt on either. And just as plain as day, as if somebody was in the car, it was so loud and so real to me that I did it without even thinking or responding. I heard, put your seatbelt on now. Well, that, that wasn't, my dad didn't have a microphone hidden in the, in the vehicle with us to say that. It was the Holy Spirit, and it was so strong. I just did it, and I told her, put your seatbelt on. Why didn't he say, there's a red light, stop? I, you know, I probably wouldn't have heard that, but he knew what I would listen to. I put it on. It was seconds later. I ran a red light, hit another person's car, could have easily killed them. I hit them so hard. This was back in the day where, like, uh, Lincoln Town Cars were all steel. This was an older Lincoln Town Car. I hit it with a brand-new truck, Ford Ranger. Hadn't even made a payment on it yet. Didn't even have a 1,000 miles on it yet. I hit this steel chariot of steel car so hard that I, the engine was sitting up on the dash 
and shortened the truck all the way up to the wheel, to the wheels, and, and totaled theirs, totaled mine. I mean, it was a mess. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He needed, I'm sure if I'd paid attention, I'd have had a witness, hey, something's wrong. I wasn't paying attention. He needed something more authoritative, got my attention. Thank God that the Holy Spirit speaks that way. I want God to speak to me that way. Do you? Okay. That's a discussion for another day. All right. So 1 Peter chapter 5. We're almost to the main point tonight. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm glad God does things the way he does them. The old, the old TV show, it was before my day, but I watched the reruns, Father Knows Best, right? Our Father Knows Best. Even better than Ward Cleaver, right? No, that was Leave it to Beaver, wasn't it? That was Leave it to Beaver. That, well, that was my jam. I tell you, I loved, you know, I, I'm around teenagers all the time. That means that was, I love me some, some Leave it to Beaver. That was before my time too, but Eddie Haskell, what a, what a terrible guy. Oh, he was a scoundrel. I wanted to be like him. No, I didn't. All right, so. Yes, Mr. Cleaver. And then you say something. If you never watched it, you missed out on half your life. Anyway, 1 Peter chapter 5. Back to tonight. Back tonight. All right. Uh, 1 Peter 5 verse 1. The the elders who are among you, I exhort you. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also partaker of the glory that will be revealed. He said, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief, chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So we know the first way he leads us is through his word. Second way would be the inward witness. Third way would be the still small voice. Fourth would be the authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. I would say now, and I'm putting them these in rankings. I would say this is probably, this is right up there with, with all four, would be the voice of your pastor's. People say, oh, I don't like that. Listen, it is the, no, and you, well, it's because you've got pastor in front of you. No, this is, this is how God set things up. And we do have good pastors. I'll put myself on the boat as well that do this out of a concern for the flock. The truth is any good pastor cares more about God's opinion than he does anybody in the flock's in the church's opinion. And whenever you go, if church, a church has a pastor that cares more what the people think than what God thinks, you ought to get out of that church. Because I can tell you for a fact, there are many times the Lord will have me say or teach on something or do something that I don't want to do it. Sunday night, I talked about Winter Retreat 2015. Steve and I were joking about it today. But he told me before that trip, I kind of told him what was on my heart. He said, I got to be honest with you. I went, I told the Lord, I do not want to hear that. He did. I mean, you know, Steve and I are very good friends. And he, he, he said, I, I, had, I, I had told the Lord, oh, great. Oh, great. I don't even, I don't even know if I want to go. I mean, cause it, it, when I say, when I say it was intense, what the Lord put on my heart minutes before service, I'm still sitting there looking over my notes that, that I had for the service thinking, can I do anything else? Is there anything else I can talk about? Is there, is it possible to do it? Well, you want people that will obey God and not even give in to what they want to do, right? The Lord will use your pastors to speak to you more so than he's even going to use traveling ministers. They're a gift to the body for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Yes, they qualify. But only the pastoral office, the shepherd, is given to a local church. He said here, he said, I exhort you to, to uh, talking to the pastors that they would um, uh, uh, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. It's not my job to pastor another church. I don't really care what they're doing. From the standpoint, it's not my business. 
It's only my business where God has called me to be and who God has called me to, to, to where he's called me to be and the people that are in the congregation he's called me to. And really, that's what we need to find out. Where is God calling us? So often people struggle because they go where they hear what they want, not where God's calling them. You may go where you want and not get what you need. But I'd rather, I'd rather go here, live here. No, living here, if, it's not, if he told you to live here and you want to go there, Come on now, let's all be honest. We love High Springs, Alachua, Gainesville, but there's a lot of places I would rather live. I can think of two in particular, Colorado, Utah. There are, mount, there are mountains there that I love, right? I would love to live there. Doug's like, no, I, I would love to live there, but this is where he called me to be. And as much as I would like to be there, I would, I, when I went to Utrecht with uh, Rich Walker the first time we went into the Netherlands, the city, I loved the city. Sometimes we can take our love for something as a leading. It's not a leading. Had to check your heart. What's the Lord telling you to do? That's another topic for another day, right? But it's important we're where God sends it because that's where our supply is. Well, pastors speak into our lives. The right pastor, a good pastor, will speak into your life. Pastor always, our pastor always said that his authority doesn't go beyond, doesn't go into your personal life. He can't tell you what to, he can't and won't tell you what house to buy, what clothes to buy, who to marry. The rumor out there that we arrange marriages at Impact Family Church is nonsense. I've heard that stuff before. If you've never heard it, thank God because it's just craziness. Well, they tell people how much they're supposed to give. If you mean quoting the Bible, you tithe, which is 10%, a mathematical equation, okay, right? Or do what the Spirit of God beyond that tells you to do, okay. But the idea that we take, well, I've heard people say, they, oh, it impact. They, they collect people's paychecks, and they tell them, that's what you're going to write up. Are you kidding me? Ignorant. The devil likes to spread lies because he wants to hold back a message, right? So we don't listen to those things. Amen. But your pastor's here to help you to be, a, to be a support, to be a guide in your life. You ought to be open to what your pastors say. When the pastor gets up, the Lord's been dealing, we need to talk about this. You ought to be open to it. Well, I've heard I like brother so-and-so, their version. Brother so-and-so might be right. Your pastor might not be right. But you need to judge it. All of this goes back to the Word of God. And there are some things that brother so-and-so may not see I love traveling ministers. It's always funny. We have a traveling minister come. I'll get this is my little pastor soapbox for a minute. It always is funny to me. There we go. Pastor soapbox. Let's step up a level. It always cracks me up when we have a guest minister come. People are so excited. Oh, so-and-so's here, and Brother Alan's going to be here. We ought to be excited about it. But you realize pastor who, or brother so-and-so or whoever it is, they teach the same messages over and over and over again. They've taught the same message probably 100, 200, 300 times. I mean, they, they have certain topics that the Lord graces them to teach on, and they teach those things. I will say Brother Allen teaches on a lot of stuff. I've been around him enough. He touches all kinds of topics. Most traveling people, they, they have certain things that they're, that they're gifted to, and of course it's going to be perfect. Your pastor gets one shot. They do it today, and the next week they, they put it in a file. They don't look at it again probably ever. But they are called to help you, right? We ought to appreciate the, lo- the, the, the traveling gifts. We ought to do that. But we ought to, we ought to 
respond and say, you know, Lord, what are you saying about this? I know this is challenging. I know this is hard to hear. or Maybe this goes against what I've heard before. What are you saying? Does it line up with God's word? Are you talking to me? I've had people say, well, I told the Lord. I was praying about this, and I told the Lord, if, if, if there's something you want to tell me, you let me know. And I'm like, hello? Are we not having a conversation here? Can you not hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? I'm saying you need to be careful. Have you checked your heart? You need to pray about it. What if the Lord wants me to know? He'll tell me. That means I've made up my mind and I don't want to listen to anybody. That's the real interpretation of that. All right. Now go to Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Acts 2, 17. Is this all right? This is the this is the main part I want to talk about because uh, and we spend a lot of time all that stuff is we could spend week a week on each topic easily or multi, more time than that on each topic that we talked about before, but this is something that I've seen over the forty years of me being involved in this twenty years of being in full time ministry myself I've seen this come and go numerous times. Um, there's always pockets of, of people that are pushing new ideas and new things along the, along these lines. Uh, there, how many know that the devil doesn't have anything new? It's the same stuff, same stuff, same stuff, generation after generation. It's just new people who will fall for it. Packaged a little different way, wrapped up a little different way, maybe with cooler, hipper terms. or whatever. It's the same stuff. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, And it shall come to pass, and this was uh, Peter quoting um, uh, the prophet Joel, said, It'll, It shall come to pass on the last days, says God, that I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So I want to talk a little bit about dreams and visions for a minute. And we've got about, we've got a few minutes, so I'm going to try to get through this. This is, this is, this is an important topic because I've seen this come along. And we need to look at things through what God's Word says and what God's Word, what God's word doesn't say. Right? When you have a lot of information and very little information, you need to look at it. There are things God emphasizes, and there are things he does not emphasize. Anytime somebody or a, or a movement or a group is emphasizing something more than God does, we need to take a step back and make sure we're looking at this from the right perspective, from God's perspective. Visions are mentioned. I'm going to just tell you the places that visions are talked about. In the, uh, we have Luke chapter 1, 22, uh, Acts 9, 10, and 12. Uh, um, uh, Acts 10.3, Acts 10.10, Acts 11.5, you don't need to write all this down, Acts 16.9, Acts 18.9, Acts 12.9, Acts 22.17-18. Talk about visions. And you can get your concordance out and get your Bible software out and, and read them. They're, they're good. They're interesting. Um, the one I talked about earlier was Peter. When the Holy Spirit told Peter, you know, the men that are there that are come to, come to talk to you, you need to go with them. Well, um, in Acts 10 earlier... 10, uh, 9 through 17, you have the whole account of that. In Acts 10, 9, I'll read it to you. It says, the next day as he went on their journey, you write the scripture reference down, Acts 10, 9 through 17. This is a vision. The next day as he went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the six hours, about noon. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while, uh, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. That doesn't say the word vision, but a trance is it's a, speaking of a vision, Right? Um, because later in verse 17, while, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision, uh, what this vision which he had seen meant. So obviously the scriptures tell us right away a trance and a vision are the same thing. Visions are something that do happen. And Acts 2.17 says that 
uh, your old men will dream dreams. Your, your young men will see, will, will, have, uh, will see visions. Your, young, your old men shall dream dreams. So we know that it's something that the Lord, the scriptures say, will happen. Visions do happen. People do have visions. Um, uh, Paul talked about uh, in Acts 16.9. You can write this down, Acts 16.9. And a vision, this is Acts 16.9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So the Bible calls this a vision that happened at night. Visions can happen in the day. Visions can happen at night. A vision can be an open vision. A vision can be a closed vision where you, you're, 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 you can have ones where your natural senses are still open. Remember Brother Hagin told the story about Jesus appearing to him and he heard footsteps coming down the hallway and he expected to see the nurse walk in the room and the door opened. Jesus walked in. He grabbed the chair, pulled it up next to the bed and talked to him about his ministry. Well, that would be an open vision where he, he's seeing the room, he's seeing the chair, Jesus moved it, sat down and talked to him. That's a vision. Other visions where you, your natural uh, senses are, 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 are shut off, where you're not, you're, not, uh, uh, you're not aware of anything else, time, you lose track of time, what seems like hours to you could be just a few minutes here. Uh, visions are something that happen, and they're, they're, they are promised, they are spoken of, uh, in the times that we live in, we can, there, we can expect people to have visions. Uh, Acts 27, the 23rd verse, and 24th, you can write it down. Acts 27, 23, and 24. I'm just doing this for time's sake. Uh, there stood with, with me this night an angel of, of the God whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Now, this didn't say it was a vision. Uh, uh, didn't say vision or dream, but it did indicate that it was uh, the time of day. It was at night when this happened. And I don't know about any of you, if you've been in a storm where you think you might go down, you probably aren't sleeping. Any of our men in the church remember the uh, men's fellowship we did when we went uh, deep sea fishing off the coast of uh, off, uh, St. Augustine? Y'all remember that? We got out there and a water spout popped up near, you remember that, Tim? Oh, yeah. And uh, this wasn't at night. But I can tell you one thing, I, didn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't the least bit sleepy, right? I mean, it was raining sideways. A brother, Bob, you were, about, you were there. I remember you, you. I remember you being there. And because and, and, I got behind Brother Bob because I don't want to get hit by the rain, right? So I'm like, I'm safe behind Brother Bob. And so, hey, I, I didn't get sleepy during that. So it didn't say that it was a dream or a vision, but the, it did happen at night. The Lord appeared to him, and they were in fear of their lives. Paul was, I, I, I dare say Paul was asleep. Visions do happen. Acts 2, 17 tells us that therefore today, in the last days which we're living in, these things will happen. We can expect people to have visions, but they're as the Spirit wills. And I say that because every few years, and you've always always had people who are doing this, but every few years, you have people that start seeking after these manifestations and specific leadings when they ought to be seeking after God. You ought to seek God's word, and however he wants to speak to you, you're okay with that. But saying, I'm going to have a vision in the name of Jesus, that first of all, there's no prayer that says we can do that. You open yourself up for getting into trouble when you do that. Right? There are evil spirits. The, 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 angel, the, you know, the, the devil can appear as an angel of light. 
and look and say all the right thing, but have all the right, all, all the wrong reasons and lead you the wrong way. Visions are for today and people do have them. That doesn't guarantee us. We will all have visions. We ought to be open to them. We shouldn't dismiss them. When God speaks to us, we shouldn't dismiss it, but we don't go seeking after visions. Anytime you seek after supernatural manifestations, you run the risk of getting into trouble. Spend your time seeking Jesus and you'll be safe. A great book about visions is I Believe in Visions by Brother Hagin. He documents many visions that he has. They're in here. I tell you, you think, well, why would I want to read that? It's encouraging to your faith to read it. It encourages you. It's good balance in here, right? So I encourage you, if you don't have it, you ought to get it. This is visions he had over the course of 50 years of ministry. It will be a help to you. I want to spend the rest of the time talking about dreams. Dreams are another and probably more so than visions that people get into danger and get squirrely over. You know what I mean by getting squirrely, right? They, they get into things they ought not get into. Some things that maybe you don't know. There are 21 dreams in the Bible that are listed in the Bible. Six were kings, only one woman. Two, had the name of jo- na- two were named Joseph. I've written them all down. Uh, Bimelech had a dream at Genesis 20. Um, he told, you know, Bimelech not to, not to mess around with Abraham's wife, Sarah, Jacob's ladder in Genesis 28, 12. We're just, we don't have time, but I wrote them all down what they are. I went through the Bible and listed all the dreams. You had, um, 21 of them starting there with Abimelech warning him about, uh, uh, not sleeping with Sarah, Abraham's wife going on down all the way up until the time of Jesus, uh, you, you remember that in a dream that God warned, that the, 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 uh, Joseph was warned to not go here, not go there, right, because of what was going to happen in a dream. He was warned. The last dream mentioned in the Bible is uh, Matthew twenty-seven nineteen. was Pontius Pilate's wife, had a nightmare concerning Jesus' trial because she knows he's innocent. In a Matthew twenty-seven nineteen, it says, while he was sleeping on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that, that, uh, with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. I've suffered many things in a dream because of him. Like I said, I wish we had more time. It's tough to do this in one night, but uh, it's list, there's 21 dreams listed. First one with Abimelech. The last one was with Herod's wife. Now, something that's interesting to me when I, when I read this, that's, a, that's over a period of about 2,000 years. 21 dreams over a period of 2,000 years. It was 400-something years between Abraham to Moses, 1,300-and-something years from Moses to Jesus. And so you were around that period of time, uh, 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 2,000 years. That's like one every 94 years on average dreams that are recorded in the Bible. Were there more dreams? Absolutely. But like I said, there's something about when the Bible records and doesn't record. God is specific about what he does record and what he didn't record. It wasn't beneficial for us to have the rest of these dreams, do you guys know a lot of people that they seek after dreams? They want to know what dreams, dream. They, my, my barber, he's, he's taking a pastor at church somewhere else, and so he'll be moving. But he, he's, he, he, his wife, they're very much into dreams. Well, does God speak to us in dreams? Well, yes. Acts 2, 17 says dreams will happen. That, that in the last days, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, right? So these things will happen. It doesn't say everybody's going to have them, and it doesn't say we're supposed to be seeking after dreams, can I say, when you do that, you get weird. I'll say it again. When you do that, you get weird. Everybody say weird. Say it the way I say it. Weird. Yeah, you get weird. It's dangerous. And every few years this rolls around, it is dangerous. 
like I said, what God has to say, what he doesn't say, you can look at how often he talks about things, how, does, how often he doesn't talk about things. 21 times, something else I noticed, it never, is never recorded happening again after the new birth. Think about that. All the dreams. We all know people who talk about dreams all the time, right? We probably have known people. And not to say dreams, other than Acts 2.17, that dreams will happen, there's no recorded instance of a dream happening in the New Testament. None. I was a little surprised because I never really thought about it. How many dreams are there? There's nada. Well, Paul was dreaming in the boat. Okay, I, I remember being with Brother Bob. He was not sleeping, right? Doesn't tell us, I'll give you that as a maybe. There is no definite dream listed in the New Testament, not once. And yet you talk to some people, dreams happen all the time. They, it is, go, go back to Acts 2.17. We're going to have to kind of skip around here for a minute because we're, we're, we have to get this finished. Acts 2.17 again. I want you to see this because this will answer a lot of questions, I believe, for people. Don't let somebody rope you into something that's going to lead you off course. This is our guide. This, this is our guide. Even on pet topics, this is our guide. This is important. It, this is, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Does all flesh have the right to expect the spirit of God on them? He says, I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. Do you have the right to expect to sense the presence of God? To, to have the spirit, the presence of God on? Do you have the right to expect it? He says here, all flesh. That means we need to value it. That means we, need, we have a promise that it belongs to us. We need to value this. You need to seek after God and to know him personally. Don't let your, your, your walk with God become a stale, stagnant, from a distant relationship. My wife's and I's relationship is not distant. It's very close. God wants to be closer to you than even your spouse. Not that we're moved by sensing. It's not about feeling, you know, uh, 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 what, are, what is it on your arm? Goosebumps. That's not what it is, but you have the right. People think all kinds of crazy stuff. You do have the right for the Spirit of God to be on you. It ought to be important to us. I said it ought to be important to us. The presence of God is so valuable. Anything that would come against that or get in the way of that, you ought to run from it. But it says here, on all flesh, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Are we, isn't it, do we have any sons or daughters here? We are all sons and daughters because we're here, right? We're somebody's sons and daughters. It says your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Well, Pastor Greg, does it, that doesn't say all. Well, anybody remember what uh, our friend Paul said? Let me find it here. Uh, let me find it. I'm, just, I'm having to jump around a little bit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 4 through 5, 1 Corinthians 14, 4 through 5, you can write it down. It said, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Notice this, verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. That wasn't just Paul's preference. He's speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is telling us, I want you all to prophesy. Acts 2.17 doesn't say everybody, but Paul clarified in 1 Corinthians, I wish that you would all prophesy. The Spirit of God is saying we want all of us to prophesy. Prophecy is not just a thus says the Lord. 
That, can, that is prophecy. Prophecy is inspired utterance. It's, it, oftentimes, when I minister, pastor ministers, different ones minister, it's the spirit of prophecy. You, so is that, yes, that's exactly what it is. That, yes, we have notes, but we're following the unction, the spirit of God that's divinely inspired utterance. That is the gift of prophecy. That's exactly what it wants. And he wants you to live that way. That means when you're out and about, on the job, in school, shopping at, at, at Wally World, whatever, you, he wants you to, be, to want and desire to prophesy, to speak by unction, by utterance, because you have the answer for people. Amen. He wants us to prophesy, right? Go back to Acts chapter, you can expect that. You should desire that. You should, be say, you should say, Lord, your word, Father, your word says this. I want this in my life specifically. God will honor that. But you got to make sure you're honoring this first, right? All right. I'm holding. If you're listening online, I held up my Bible and I said that. All right. Uh, I just want to make sure. All right. It said, then your sons and daughters or your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. There is no place in the New Testament, Old Testament, that ever goes beyond any more description than that as far as the frequency or who. That just means during this time, you should expect it to happen, but you can't necessarily say it's going to happen to me. It's as the Spirit wills. We'll say that again. It's, it happens during our time, but it may or may not happen to you. You ought to be open to it, but you can't say, I'm going to go to bed tonight and I'm going to have a dream. You better watch out. I don't know about you, but most of my dreams are crazy. They make no sense. But people who get into this error, they start getting direction from their crazy dreams. The Lord, the Lord no more told you that than that bag of Doritos you ate at midnight you shouldn't have had. That's who told you that. Got your stomach feeling all weird and you had some crazy dream. That was a bag of Doritos. That wasn't the Spirit of God. People, I'm telling you, people do this stuff. People do this stuff. Don't get sucked into this. Don't get drawn into it. It will mess you up. Peter, there's no recorded dreams in the new. He's, there's no him, uh, record of him having a dream. Paul, there's no record of Paul having a dream. Let's go back to Brother Hagin. I'm going to read this to you out of, out of Brother Hagin's book. I know we y'all give me just a few more minutes. I think this is interesting stuff. We need clarification on this. Brother Hagin in, in the Believer's Authority. He said, in 1942, while pastoring in East Texas, I had a test in my body. I didn't tell, tell anyone about it except the Lord. I prayed and believed he would heal me. Then I stood my ground. In the nighttime, I would be awakened with alarming heart symptoms and would get up and pray. I battled that thing for about six weeks. One night, I had great difficulty in getting to sleep. Finally, after praying, I drifted off, and I had a dream. Brother Hagin says, I had a dream. Did he know what a dream was? I'm sure Brother Hagin knew what a dream was. Well, maybe it was a vision. He said it was a dream, all right? He had a dream. He said, I'm satisfied that God has spoken to me only four times in my life through dreams. He said, but a dream like this one was, one was no coincidence. It was from the Lord. When I woke up, I knew immediately what it meant. And, I, and he put this. He said, if you don't know the meaning of a dream immediately, forget it. This is good advice. No, is that scripture? No. The Bible doesn't talk about interpreting dreams, y'all. It says nothing about interpreting dreams. The people who did interpret dreams, they knew exactly what it was. 
If you have a dream and you don't know what it is, you need to forget it. And if it is something you need to know, the Lord will bring it to your attention. But if he never brings it up again, don't go digging for a meaning to a dream. You need to move on from that thing. Now, the thing about Brother Hagin's dreams that he had, he, missed, he mentioned four, and uh, I, I can't go into all of them. How many remember, I, do, I, I love the story of the dream that the church member he had had, where, uh, and this is three of the four dreams that Brother Hagin had fit this same category. A member of his church back in the early days had a dream. He was working on an oil rig. He worked for an oil rig, and he had a dream the next day that the guy who ran up, that climbed the, the whatever thing, uh, didn't come to work that day. And so they asked him to climb up the rigging and he climbed up the rigging and the cable broke and cut his head off. And so the next day he got up, went to work. Sure enough, Billy Bob didn't show up, right? Didn't show up for work. And they said, Hey, I need you to climb his foreman said, Hey, I need you to get up there. He went over, started climbing the rigging, got up a little ways and thought, remembered, Oh, wait a second. I had a dream last night. This very thing. He went down the ladder or down the rigging, said, I had a dream last night that I went up there that so-and-so didn't show up. You told me to go up there. I went up there. My head got cut off. I'm not going up there. They all started mocking him. One guy said, oh, I don't believe in all that non-hocus-pocus stuff. I'll do it. He climbed up the rigging. The cable broke and cut his head off, right? In three of the four dreams Brother Hagen had, in three of those, it, it was the, what actually was going on, it was a dream, but the word of wisdom was in operation, telling him events that were going to happen. And whenever he got to those events, when the next day or next week or whenever it transpired, he saw those very things he dreamed play out, and he knew what to do. He knew by, by revelation what to do. His dream had specific details. In the dream Brother Hagin's talking about here is the only time it had symbolism in it. In this dream, if you go back and read it in the authority of the believer, when he's talking about this, he said that in this dream he had difficulty and he was, um, well, he said uh, it, it seemed as though another minister and I were working on some sort of parade ground or field where the stands on either, and there were stands on either side of us. As we were walking along, talking, the man jumped and exclaimed, look, and I saw two ferocious roaring lions. And the man started running and I started running with him. He basically goes on to say that they tried to run and realized we cannot run these two lions. Brother Hagin stopped, stood his ground to the things. They ran up to him. They were snarling and growling. They ran up to him and he just basically stood his ground. They sniffed at his feet and walked off. In this dream, it wasn't about future events necessarily, an event that was going to happen. There was symbolism. Has anybody heard about a roaring lion before? That's chasing you and you have to stand, turn and stand your ground. That symbolism is straight out of the Bible. I'm going to say this. Come on now. I'm going to say this. There are books out there for interpreting dreams and they're not the B-I-B-L-E. You need not listen to that. There are books out there that said the color blue means this in a dream. If you see a, a, a round grapefruit, it means this. If you have a, a, a wagon wheel that's going backwards, it means the Bible is inspired by, by God, by the Holy Spirit. That stuff is not. I'm telling you, this stuff happens. I know of people that write all of their dreams down because it's got to have a meaning. You go looking for the meaning, the devil will give you a meaning and it will mess you up. If nothing else, confuse the fire out of you and you don't know what's coming, what's going, what to do, what not to do. And the whole time, God's trying to talk to you out of his word. The inward witness is trying to lead you. Your pastor's trying to help you, but you're so following this crazy dream that you can't hear anymore. If you don't know the meaning, you ignore it. I'm telling you, this is big. 
I've seen this stuff come around numerous times. We cannot listen to this. Does God speak in visions? Does he speak in dreams? Yes. They're as the spirit wills. Is everything we see or hear a vision or dream? No. Don't let your life get derailed. Somebody else's passion. Don't, don't let somebody else's enthusiasm or even their wrong thinking get you off course. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Say, well, I'm more spiritual than Paul. I'm more spiritual than Peter. I'm definitely more spiritual than Brother Hagin. You might be. But let's see your fruit for us before we crown you more spiritual, right? Jesus said you judge a tree by its fruit. Not the fact that it says, I got fruit. Right? You know what I'm saying? Tree like, hey, I got fruit. Look at me. No, you ju- I'm good fruit. No, you need to judge the tree by the fruit it produces, not by what it says. Come on now. Interpretation of a dream. What does the Bible say? There is no instruction in the Old Testament or New Testament on interpreting dreams. Yeah, but no, there's not. None. Zero, nada. There's none. I'm saying that I'm, I'm spending time because I've had people argue this with me. Yes, it does. Where? And they take scriptures and verses and references and that don't mean anything about what they're saying it means. And then, and then it always ends up with, yeah, well, brother so-and-so said, no. If it doesn't line up with God's word, we don't listen to it. There's danger in always wanting to have a spiritual dream or having a vision so badly. Every dream, everything, you, you can start seeing stuff and then every dream, you, you start stirring your heart. Your heart's no longer a good guide. Don't force the Holy Spirit to talk to you about something. Let him choose how he wants to speak to you. Be okay with what he, it's supernatural. The inward witness is just as supernatural. Seeing the truth in God's word is just as supernatural than a four-part dream that can make the greatest miniseries ever known to man. This is just as supernatural. There's nothing wrong with checking your heart in the morning after you've had a dream. Check and see, Lord, is there something you want to talk to me about? There's nothing wrong with doing that. If it goes against God's word, definitely then don't. But if, if there's not a witness on the inside, to, oh, yeah, you need to. How many know a witness on the inside is different than curiosity in your mind? Right? You need to walk away. Evil spirits, familiar spirits can and will deceive you. Familiar spirit just sounds like God, but it isn't. This is something, this is something that, that, that is important. The constant urge, driving urge to know what a dream means is similar to the drive to gain the knowledge, the fruit of the, 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 from the apple of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. It's the same, same thing. The constant drive to know what your dreams is similar to that drive to gain knowledge that got Adam and Eve in trouble in the first place. Eve already had everything she needed to know, and if she needed to know something more, she had direct access with the Father. She had direct access. She went looking for answers in all the wrong places. In the new birth, we have the Holy Spirit. In the new birth, we have that same, where does that come from? What was that? What got Adam and Eve into trouble? It was pride. God doesn't want you to eat this, because when you do, you'll be just like him. They were already just like him. But it was pride. I want to be somebody more. Who God made me is not enough. Translated this, what God has already told me, what his word says, what my heart has told me to do or not told me to do. I want something more. It's pride. 
pride will mess you up. 1 Corinthians 2.19 or 2.9 and 10 says, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for love him. But, verse 10, God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. 1 John 2.20, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. It's tied to the Holy One. The Holy Spirit, He, the Helper, not the It. He, the Helper, that's what it's tied to. We don't, and I'll close with this. We don't put out fleeces. God doesn't lead in fleeces. You'll get fleeced. And there's a danger for looking in signs and everything. I had somebody once tell me, Pastor Greg, I want you to look out here at the sky. No joke. I want you to look out at the sky. You see those three clouds? It, that's that, that's that. That God's saying everything's going to be all right. You ever looked at a cloud one person says one thing, sees one thing, and you see some, You can see all kinds of stuff in the clouds. You make a suggestion, oh, there it is. If you want to see a sign and everything, you're going to start seeing signs and everything. It doesn't mean that God printed those signs. And you start basing your life on those things, you're in danger. Listen, this, I know we, it's 8.50. We, if you go over to get the teenagers on Wednesday nights, you know we run long. This is what happens. If you know my last name's Anderson, you know it happens, all right? Listen, it's easy to hear from God. It's so easy, you don't need to start looking in all these other things. Really what this is, a lot of times, is a shortcut from a lot of times, if not most times. People, when they start doing this stuff, they don't want to take the time to discipline themselves to find this. And if you aren't willing to, well, I, would, I wish God would do it another way. You've got to remember, he's God, I'm not. If that's how he said it's going to work, I better agree with him. No matter how badly I want it another way, that's what he said. And he's always right. That's going to be the right way to do it. There's safety in that. Listen, this stuff comes around, comes around, comes around, comes around, comes around. And you might say, well, I've kind of already kind of gotten into some of this stuff. You need to repent. Are you telling me? As one of your pastors, I'm telling you, you need to repent. I'm telling you, if the, I, I'm telling you, by the grace of my life, if you've gotten into this, you need to repent because it's not scriptural. And if you can't repent something, you can't get free from something. You can never be free from something that you don't regret. That's the reason why we struggle with things we struggle with because we never regretted doing it in the first place. Maybe you didn't like the consequences, but not the action. Oh, we don't need to get into that, right? You let repentance guide you, you'll be fine. Repent if you've gotten involved in it. Ask God to help you and then go back to this. You get a dream, it's no matter how interesting it is, you don't even, nope, 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 nope. Not going to think about it. Not going to. You got a dream book. We laugh. Don't people come on now. People do this stuff. Got dream books. You got a dream book. You better burn that thing. I won't I, I say not burn it. You need to do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. He may tell you to take like one page out of it and burn the other 5,000. There might be one in there, two in there that were good. Most probably were not. I'm trying to help you. This is important stuff. So what do we do normally on Wednesday nights? Does she say break and we all huddle up and do a... She just says, love you guys. Well, that's what I had done. I hope that helped you. You ought to go back and listen to it again. Have somebody else to listen to it if they need it. But um, listen, we love you guys. We're made for this. This is the easiest thing we in the world for us to be led by God. And it's also easy to not be deceived.
We know his voice, the voice of the other guy, we won't listen to or follow. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.